Hi folks, this is Andy. I am in the breakout room and welcome to Andy's personal development special show called The Breakout Room. We have a wonderful guest with us this time of the day. It's about just one minute to five Eastern time in the afternoon where we are in the beautiful Isle of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. So without any further ado, I would like to do at this time is to simply introduce our guests. We're just going to give you a little bit of an introduction. Let's welcome at this time our special guest in the breakout room, Dave Turner. How are you, Dave? Uh, I'm doing great, Eddie. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Nice for having you, my friend. How's the weather out there? It is awesome right now. I mean, just about the perfect time of year. It's cooled off a little bit, you know, and it feels great. Just, just about perfect. All right, all right, sounds good, sounds good. So let's get right into it, Dave, because I know that you're excited, you're bubbling, you want to share the information with the people that we have as guests this afternoon. Here's the thing, um, the experience that you have now and the information that you have with regards to what you discovered about the nation of Israel and God, when did that really happen in your life? When did it really hit home? When was that affinity moment that you realized, hey, you know what? This is it, man. This is reality. What was that deep conviction like? Well, it's been a long time ago, my friend. I mean, um, it, I was only 22 years old, wow. um, which that was about seven, you know, 48 and a half years ago. Whoops. Wow. Just told my age. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll just save you from uh, all the strain in your brain calculated out out there. Uh, I'm 70 years old. That was 48 plus years ago. I was 22 years old and I was one very lost young man. I, I had spent several years uh, trying to find a, just a good times in life, but uh, you know, I, I'd about kill myself having a good time. And uh, uh, you know, I spent several years uh, hardcore partying, you know, I do multiple days of partying and uh, you know, through that all, I pushed my mind and body much harder and further than what it could withstand. So I was really in a really dangerous position. I was really in a life-threatening situation. Uh, you know, uh, my, I, I damage, I've done a lot of damage to my mind and body through all these years. And so uh, I was in a lot of danger, but then I was also, the things I was doing could have brought an end to my life at any, at any one time. Well, you know, I, it, it was, uh, it was just, 
the invisible hand of God that came along and helped me to see what I was not able to see. I was, I mean, I was ruined and destroyed my life, but I couldn't see it. I just, I knew things were going bad, but I thought, oh, well, maybe they'll get better. And I just couldn't see what a great danger I was in. But then, you know, the Lord came along and, and, and he helped me to see what I was not able to see. And when, when God helped me to see, you know, how messed up everything was and how I was ruined, destroying my life and I was in a great danger. Well, then I started really caring. I had really, uh, you know, I acquired really strong thoughts uh, to try to find some way to change my life before, you know, I wiped out. And uh, so, uh, you know, I was, I had never gone to church, so I didn't know anything about the Bible. And so, you know, I started looking around trying to find some way to change my life. I really couldn't see any way that I thought would work. And that's when the Lord helped me again. He helped me to become very interested in the Bible. And uh, I mean, I was probably about one of the most last people on the planet that everybody that anybody would ever thought they'd uh, they'd see me holding the Bible. And but I got very interested in the Bible. I turned and started reading uh, uh, some of the Gospels about Jesus, which is really cool. And but then I got to the place where uh, I know that was the Lord helping me to see that I just didn't have enough faith to make anything happen. The only hope I had, the main hope I had was in the Bible, but I just didn't have enough faith to make anything happen. I mean, I, I had, thank God I had enough faith to believe that God might be real, but I didn't have enough faith to believe he really was real. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't have enough faith to even pray to God. Uh, I just couldn't do it. I could not do it because I felt like, well, you know, if I pray to somebody, me not knowing if God's really real, then, I, then I'd be pretending. And at that point in my life, man, I, I mean, it, I have really strong and urgent desires to try to find some way to change my life. So, I mean, pretending was about the last thing I wanted to do. But, uh, I mean, I mean, but this, but God really started leading me at that time. He, he helped me to see that the only hope I had, I didn't have enough faith to make anything happen. So God put some really strong desires in my life at that time to try to find some kind of proof of his reality because I knew, okay, if I can find some kind of proof, then my faith can be a lot, lot stronger. So yeah. that became like my mission in life was to yeah. try to find some kind of proof. And uh, that's when God led me to, to start reading at the very beginning of the Bible. So I started in the book of Genesis and I read about uh, God's creation. And, and that's when I read over, got over to the 12th chapter of Genesis uh, where I read about how the Almighty God came to a man named Abraham and made some infinitely great promises to Abraham, and, and so th this is this is when I discovered that the, the nation of Israel is is proof of God's realities. When I read these great promises God made to Abraham, amazing story, Dave. Amazing story. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm really intrigued by your experience and the different stages of it. Uh, being convicted at that age and recognizing that you were going on a path of self-destruction and you were doing a whole lot of things to your body that weren't good for you. Oh, Obviously, yeah. you came to your, to your senses, so to speak. But here's the thing. How did that change your life dynamically? I mean, what were the things now that you decided, you know what, I'm not going to do that stuff anymore. I'm just going to find a, a more deeper, closer, intimate Kind of relationship with God because this new thing that I've discovered is really what I've been looking for all this time and I've been missing out. So what was it was it like that for you? Was there a hunger for something new that you went searching and seeking for this information that you're now sharing today? 
Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I got to the, the place where I realized that, you know, if I didn't change my life, I was probably going to die. But I mean, uh, I felt really bad on the inside. I felt sick. And uh, my, I mean, over a period of seven years, a hardcore party in my life had really went downhill a lot. I had to, my oldest brother uh, came to me one day. I'd been, I was crashing over to these people's houses, like a multi-day party. And he came and looked me up. He, he went and searched and asked around. He, he looked me up and he came to the door and, and he said, hey, could, could we talk? So I went out and, and we went outside and I talked to him and he said, he said, uh, he said, Dave, your whole family's really worried about you because he said, if you looked in a mirror lately and uh, he said, you don't look good at all. He said, we're, we're all afraid that if you keep going down this road you're on, you might not be around too much. Like, well, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't get mad at him because uh, I knew he was trying to help me and I knew that he was telling me the truth. And, uh, and I was in bad shape. I mean, and that's why uh, when God came along and helped me, he helped me to see this. I couldn't see it, Andy. And uh, uh, I was in great danger, but I couldn't see it. But, you know, God can help people see things that they cannot see on their own. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always reminded when, when God gave Joseph the meaning of Pharaoh's dreams. I mean, God gave Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, two great dreams all one night, which yeah. you know, if God can do that. If he can bring dreams into a person's life in the middle of the night when they're sound asleep, then to me, then God can do anything. He can bring Amen. anything. And, and then he revealed to Joseph, a young Hebrew slave, he brought out of prison, and God revealed to him by his supernatural power what Pharaoh's dreams meant. And so that shows the awesome, mighty power of God. He can bring understanding by his Holy Spirit into our lives that we can never see. And that's what God did to me back then when I was in this really bad shape. He He helped me to see what I wasn't able to see, that I was going to destroy my life. Well, uh, that's what, you know, made me have really super strong desires to try to find some way to change my life. Uh, yeah. I mean, they weren't casual desires at all. They were very urgent desires. And that's why I was so intense in trying to turn and read in the Bible, learn about the Bible. Uh, God, you know, that's another thing he brought in my mind is he, he he made me super interested in the Bible. He just I just started having hope in the Bible. I'd never gone to church. I'd never read the Bible. But suddenly the almighty God brought that desire. He was leading. But uh, man, you know, uh, uh, when God led me to turn and, and, and begin reading in, in, in the very beginning of the Bible, when I read these great promises that God, Almighty God, came and made to Abraham, these these promises are so infinitely great. I mean, God came to Abraham, and he promised this man that he was going to make a great nation from his descendants. And he, yeah. promised, he promised that he was going to give a certain specific land to Abraham and his descendants to be their possession throughout all eternity. Yeah. And, this was God saying to Abraham, hey, I'm almighty God. I have the power to plan what's going to happen throughout eternity. I have the power to make it happen. So when I read those promises, I became super excited because the Lord was there helping me to see that if, if this really happened, if he really did make a nation from Abraham's descendants, then this nation would have to be one of the nations existing in the world today. 
And, and I thought, wow, this is super exciting because I, I thought if I can find that this nation actually does exist, then that would be proof of God's reality. And that's what I was looking for. Yep. And so uh, I became really excited. But at that point, it became like the mission in my life to find out if this nation actually does exist. And so, uh, you know, uh, I'd never heard of Abraham before, so I didn't know of any nation that came from Abraham. But I thought, hey, the, maybe the Bible will reveal what nation it is. So as I continued to read, I was, man, I was like paying super close attention. I wanted to find any kind of evidence or any kind of clues that could help me to know, hey, is this nation actually existing in the world? If it is, where's it at? What's its name? But as I continue to read on the Bible, actually the Bible, it really does inform us and, and, and reveal to us what nation this is. And when I found that, I, I knew that I had found like lots greater proof than I really had ever hoped to find. Uh, it's like it just, I experienced this a great, tremendous awakening when God helped me to find that the nation of Israel really is that nation that he created from Abraham's descendants. And, and, but the awakening that came, it didn't come from my human reasoning. It came from the power, the supernatural power of Almighty God, the Holy Spirit. Just like when Joseph inter uh, uh, interpreted the meaning of Pharaoh's dream, that did not come from his human reasoning. Yeah. He didn't have to think or strain his brain. It was, came from the Almighty God revealing to him. But uh, sometime I want to read a, a, a verse, uh, have to do it from a cell phone. But this, this is where the Bible reveals in a very powerful way that the nation of Israel is the nation that God created from Abraham's descendants as he promised he was going to do. And right. this, this is in Genesis chapter 35. Right. Uh, you see, God made these promises to Abraham in, in the 12th chapter of Genesis. But when we get over to Genesis 35, verses 9 through 13, here's what the Bible says. This is God This is God coming and speaking to Abraham's grandson, whose name was Jacob. And the Bible says, God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken to him. Well, Andy, when I read this, I mean, God brought a powerful awakening in my life because he helped me to see, hey, the nation of Israel in the world today, right before our eyes, is the nation that God created from Abraham's descendants as he promised he was going to do. It's right here before everyone's eyes. You know, but the, but the weird thing is that not very many people are aware that the nation of Israel is proof of God's will. It's right here before all of our eyes. But, uh, you know, it, it's like it, they have to, God has to help them. And, yeah. and God helped me back then. He brought this great awakening into my life. He helped me to see something awesome that I couldn't see it. And, you know, I'm just hoping and praying today that that God will help people listening to make this great discovery. I mean, I'm hoping he will, like, just 
bring this great awakening and he'll help them to see that the nation of Israel really is solid proof of his reality. And, and so that they can experience this great awakening. You know, what? Uh, God's he's offered people everlasting life. He's already made the way that that he can give everlasting life to people. He brought Jesus into this world and and, and Jesus died on a cross. So so that he can set us free from the punishment that we're, that's been placed on us. But we have to have faith. We have to believe in God and have faith before we can receive this gift. Well, if people can discover that the nation of Israel is solid proof of God's reality, then they can experience receiving a great amount of faith, like a, an explosion of faith into their life. I mean, they can experience a great awakening. And that's the kind of faith that God can use to lead them on to receive his great gift of, of salvation and everlasting life. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's why I'm here today. That's why I'm, we're doing this today, man. Yeah. Tremendous, tremendous. You, you said a lot, man. And, um, you know, I think three things really stood out to me. And, and the first thing is that your experience with your brother coming to speak to you and having the family be concerned out of love uh, about the path that you're going down. And they're trying to get you to change and do the thing that was right and more better for you. You found that reality. But then after you found that reality, you decided to dig deeper. And you're looking at the situation where God spoke to Abraham, first of all, in verse 12, chapter 12, sorry, of Genesis. And you're looking at the continuation of the follow-up of that. And you looked at Joseph and the dreams that he interpreted for Pharaoh. Yeah. You said something about the power of revelation of the Holy Spirit. And that being the thing that is responsible for the information, not the wisdom of man, which cannot even compare with the wisdom of God. As a matter of fact, the wisdom of man is like foolishness in the sight of God. But, you know, I remember something someone says and recently, and they said that maybe it is time we stop telling God about our problems and start telling our problems how big God is. Because you mentioned God is so big that he can put a plan into place and years after years after years, thousands of years after, that plan has to become a reality without fail because God said it. And that's how good and powerful he is. Look, here's the thing. How did Hebrew, and I'm, I'm just going to take a little slight turn away from where we are, because you said a mouthful, man, you said a lot. How Hebrew being the national language in Israel today proves that these people are the descendants of Abraham? Well, yeah, it's amazing because, you know, Abraham was the first person to ever be called a Hebrew in the Bible. Right. I think and, that's, um, Genesis 14 and 13. Yeah. And like uh, the, uh, the the people, uh, the descendants of Abraham were Hebrews. I mean, uh, the Bible uh, tells how, how when God sent Moses in before the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he said the, the God says, uh, the God, God says, uh, the God of the Hebrews says, yeah. let people go. Yeah. And so they were like uh, referred to as Hebrews. The, the Abraham and his descendants were referred to Hebrews 18 times in the Old Testament. And about eight of those times was in the book of Exodus when God, they lived in Egypt when God led them out. I mean, okay. these were the only people on planet Earth that ever spoke Hebrew, read and, and wrote Hebrew. And, uh, and, and so... 
No, it's not definitely not a coincidence that Hebrew is the national language in Israel today. And it's because these people are the descendants of Abraham. Uh, they speak Hebrew. That's their that's their national language, and they're the only people on the planet that speak Hebrew. All right, that's amazing. That's amazing. But tell me this: um, you said that God spoke to Abraham, and you're basically looking at a period about four thousand years ago. Yeah. And there was supposed to be occupation of a particular piece of land. As a matter of fact, in the early scriptural times, that land is considered as Canaan. Where is Canaan today, and where is that prophecy with regards to? Uh, the sovereignty of land ownership as far as Israel is today. Well, you know, it's it's amazing that, uh, uh, I mean, Abraham originally lived somewhere maybe where Iraq is, maybe even where like where the Tigris and Euphrates River runs into the Persian Gulf. So in the area of Iraq or Kuwait, somewhere back over to the east from where Israel is now. But when God first spoke to Abraham, he said, hey, just I want you to leave your family, leave your relatives, leave your home. I want you to follow me, and I'm going to show you a new land where I will make you into a great nation. So Abraham followed God just like blind faith. He just believed God. He followed God all the way uh, over to where the land of Israel is now. And the Bible tells us there uh, uh, in chapter 12 that when a God led Abraham into this land, he, it says, the Bible says he passed through the land and came to a place called Shechem. Okay, Shechem is very close to Jerusalem, maybe only 30 miles. Okay. And so when Abraham came into Shechem, God spoke to him and he said, I'm going to give all this land to you. And then he went to a place nearby called Bethel and he built an altar and prayed to God. So then he went on and uh, went to some other places but he came back to Bethel, and when he came back there, that's when God spoke to him and said, hey, look, every direction, north, south, east, and west, I'm going to give all this land to you as an ever, and your descendants as an everlasting possession. So the Bible tells us that Abraham also visited some other places, like one was called Beersheba. One was a place called Haran, that, uh, where Abraham actually bought a field and had a cave in it. And that's where uh, Abraham buried his wife, Sarah, where uh, Abraham is buried is where uh, his grandson uh, Jacob, who he gave the name Israel to, is uh, buried. It's even where Joseph is buried. Okay, right. so the point is, all of these places that the Bible names that that Abraham came and visited and lived in in this land that God gave to him are all in the land of Israel today, which proves that this land that God gave to Abraham it is in fact. The, the, the land that, that the nation of Israel occupies today. Now, one other thing is when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt and, you know, through the desert, eventually to their promised land, before he they went into the promised land, Moses gave the geographic boundaries of this land. He used natural points like the Mediterranean Sea on the west side, the Jordan River on the east side, all natural points. But Moses gave the geographical boundaries of the land that the nation of Israel was going to conquer and take and take possession of. If you'll look at those boundaries, you'll see this is the very land of the nation of Israel occupies today. That land, it is the land of Israel. And uh, hey, this is proof. This is yes. solid. One, it's one of the many 
solid proofs that the nation of Israel is the land that God created from Abraham's descendants, uh, which proves God's reality because it, it proves that he really did what he promised Abraham he was going to do. Uh, my friend, the, the nation of Israel, what God did to create the nation of Israel is one of the most important things that God has done in all of his creation since he created everything in existence. I mean, it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is what God did in bringing Jesus into this world and making the way of salvation. I mean, that's higher than the stars, above all other things. But below that is all the other things that God has done in his creation. What he did to create the nation of Israel is one of the most important things that he's done that's below uh, God bringing Jesus into this world. Because God gave his laws to the whole world through the nation of Israel. He came down on Mount Sinai and spoke the Ten Commandments from the great fire that, that looked like the whole top of the mountain was on fire. God spoke out of the midst of this fire audibly to the whole nation of Israel. And he spoke his laws. So he gave his laws to the whole world through the nation of Israel. God has given the Bible to the whole world through the nation of Israel the people of Israel that wrote the whole Bible. And and lo, you know, God brought Jesus into this world through the nation of Israel. It's it's so infinitely important. But you know, one of the one of the amazing things is the land of Israel is someday going to be the home of God's eternal promised land. The Bible tells us in Revelations that after when the day of judgment comes, when the end of this age comes, the day of judgment comes, and when God recreates the heavens and the earth, then John wrote in Revelation, he saw this holy city called the New Jerusalem coming down out of the sky down to this earth. And this is amazing. Andy, do you know how big this city is going to be? Yeah. Do you know? Do you know? I believe I, I, I looked. I looked at the measurements, but uh, I, you know, I just my mind to to to, to wrap itself around it, to grapple with it. It's kind of uh, it's a bit of a challenge, you know. But um, yeah, I, I can imagine it's going to be tremendously huge. It's, it's huge. Yeah, the, <laughs> in the King James version gives us a measurement of so many twelve thousand furlongs, and the newer version, like the ESV, gives us twelve thousand stadia. So if you multiply this out and figure it out. It, uh, if you divide the King James measurement, the uh, 12,000 furlongs times eight miles, was so eight miles in a furlong, you get 1,500 miles. That's square. That's a city that's 1,500 miles square. That is bigger than half the United States. <laughs> now, and it says that this whole city is going to have streets made of gold. It's got a big wall that goes all the way around the perimeter of that city. But then here, you know, so I went around telling everybody, hey, the, the city, heaven's going to be like 1,500 miles square. It's going to be huge. And uh, But then I thought one day, well, maybe I better make sure of that. And so <laughs> I Googled up, I, I just Googled, like, how big is the city of New Jerusalem? And I seen a website there that says uh, New Jerusalem is 1,380 miles square. And I thought, well, that's a little different than 1,500 uh, but but it, the the website when I opened up explained it. Well, we're using uh, twelve thousand stadia instead of twelve thousand furlongs. Well, okay, so that's what it comes up if you figure using stadia. But then this is something amazing. When I saw this thirteen hundred eighty miles square, I know I believe it was God that 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 just revealed this to me. He said thirteen hundred eighty is very close 
1400, right? Very close. Well, God does almost everything in multiples of seven. So because of that, I believe that the New Jerusalem will be 1400 miles square. God okay. perfect number. But that's huge. I mean, yeah. that's huge. That, that city, it's described it in the Bible. It's going to be more awesome, more glorious <laughs> than anything that we can ever imagine. That's right. That's right. But, you know, the greatest thing is that we'll, we'll, be, we'll be able to actually behold the mighty creator. We'll see God set on his throne in all of his great power and glory and majesty. We'll be able to see God. And, you know, we're able to be in God's presence now. We're able to be in the presence of his Holy Spirit. And that brings fullness of joy. That, that brings tremendous exciting. But what is it going to be like for God's people when they are actually able to behold him? Yep. Okay, I want, I want to ask you one more question, Dave, and then we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back. And the thing is, have you, have you had any challenges in taking this, this deep conviction you have to people around you, uh, your family, your friends, people that you know? What is the response uh, like when you, you wrap this message of salvation together with that conviction you've got? since the time that God spoke to Abraham in Hebrews. When you lay that out as, as a holistic message, what is the response? What is the feedback that you get from people, especially those that are around you and that know you? What is their response like? Well, I think most of the people in my family, they, they see, you know, they see how the the nation of Israel really is proof of God's really. I talk about it so much. I mean, <laughs> my wife, though, she says, well, she see, she kind of grew up going to church a lot. And, uh -huh. you know, she went to summer camp, Bible camp. So she was able to feel the God's presence and his spirit. I never felt that. So she was saying to me, like, look, I don't need proof. Uh, I mean, I can look at this tree and that's proof enough for me that God had to create that tree because it's so infinitely complex. When I hear what she's saying, I mean, there's so many things in the world that they're they're so infinitely complex. I mean, everywhere you look, like the solar system, it's infinitely complex. The Earth just has to be just exactly where it is going around the sun, or we would burn up or freeze it out. The, the DNA molecule uh, is so infinitely complex. There's so many things that are like evidence of God's reality. But, you know, as far as I know, the nation of Israel is the only thing that actually physically exists. That is solid proof of God's reality. And, and that's why I like to hold on to it. Hey, uh, you know, the devil's just not going to make me have serious doubt because I'm just going to, I'm just going to shake my fist and say, devil, you are nothing but a, a, a liar. I've got proof that God's real. So don't come around trying to make me think that he's not real. I know he's not But uh, yeah, I mean, there's probably some people that might doubt it, but I mean, I, I think that the key to that is just that, God has to help people see things. And I think God has to help people see how the nation of Israel is proof of his reality. But I'm hoping that the Lord helps a lot of people today that's watching this because uh, it can be the beginning of, of God doing just awesome, great things in your life that, you know, right. God can do to, to help you discover this proof. I hear you. Okay, so we're going to take a short break and we're going to be right back with Dave Turner. So what are we going to do now? We're going to have a little bit of an advert. And so I'm going to spring into you 
the Atwood Corner at this time. And so stay tuned. All right, our online personal store, you can get personalized items, t-shirts for men and the ladies and stuff, as well as you can get your water bottles and your notebooks, your healthcare products. Uh, you can get that from our Amazon store, our Amazon Associate store. Our online store is streamlabs.com and the Charles tool slash work. And Amazon is AMZN 23AAUV8Z. Or you can become a patron at patron.com and this personal development.com. So, as we return to our guests, uh, Dave Turner, just remember you can support our podcast on all these networks at any given time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, Dave, I'm going to come back to you, bro. <laughs> Thanks. Good to be back. Good, good, good. Um, I want to ask you, have you ever been to Israel uh, in any capacity at all? And if so, what was your experience like? Were you able to share your findings, your, your beliefs, your convictions with anybody? And if so, what was that like as an experience? You know, Andy, I, I, I've never been to the nation of Israel. Uh, I, I've been interested in going. I, I think I'd like to go. But then again, sometimes I see people have been there and I see pictures of like, you know, how they kind of made like tourist attractions out of a lot of things. Like you see where they're bringing people down the Jordan River where supposedly John the Baptist baptized. And they got, it's, it's, it's really touristy. I mean, it's a big thing in, in Israel's tourist. And I think that make me a little bit sad to, to see some of these things being made into a, a tourist attraction all you know like maybe where abraham is supposed to be buried as a big church a big cathedral all out there and i'm like wait a minute abraham bought a field that had a cave in it and, uh, but i think it would mean a lot to me probably the things might mean the most to me is maybe just take a walk along the shore of the sea of galilee right uh, the same uh, wow maybe jesus walked right here but uh I would I would like to go sometime, uh, you know. I think it I think it would you know help things come alive. But you know, with what God has in, done in my life to 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 make it so real to me, how that the nation of Israel is proof of His reality. I I don't feel like I need to go there for it to become like real to me. Uh, you know, God has done a, just a supernatural, awesome work in my life of of helping me to know that. This this land is the holy land. This is the land that that he gave to Abraham as an everlasting possession. And you know, it's you know, I, I'm still as I go along through life, I still discover like how important, how infinitely important the nation of Israel is. You know, uh, God promised Abraham that he was going to give this land to him and his descendants as an everlasting possession. Well, that means it, it's going to be their possession throughout all eternity. But wait a minute, the world as it is now is going to come to an end. I mean, this age is going to come to an end. We're going to have the day of judgment. God's going to recreate the heavens and earth. So how is it that God is going, how is it that this land will remain to be Abraham and his descendants' possession throughout all eternity? Well, that the key to understanding that is to realize that after the day of judgment, after God makes a new heaven and an earth, 
John that wrote Revelation, he saw this new city, this city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of the sky, down. Well, obviously, it's going to be where the city of Jerusalem is now. Well, that's going to be in the land that God promised to give to Abraham and his descendants forever, for all eternity. So when God brings Abraham into this land, that in this city, the new Jerusalem, that's in the land he's already given to him and his descendants forever, then eternity will begin. So that's how God will fulfill his eternal promise to Abraham. He's going to bring, someday going to bring Abraham, many of his descendants into this holy city, the new Jerusalem, then eternity will begin. They'll they will there forever. But the exciting thing to us is when God does that for Abraham, he's going to bring all of his all of his chosen people, the Gentile people, in there to live with with him forever. So the 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 eternal promised land is going to be right here on planet Earth. Now I used to think, hey, heaven's going to be up there where God is now. But no, it's obvious. It shows us in the book of Revelation, God's going to bring this holy city that's maybe 1,400 miles square or 1,500 miles square. Who cares? It's all, it's half as big as the United States. So it's got to be plenty big. He's going to bring that down. That's going to be the eternal promised land. That's going to be heaven. The Bible says that God is going to bring his throne and set it in the midst of that, that city, the throne of Jesus. And all of his people will be brought into that city and that's how he's going to fulfill his eternal promise to Abraham and to all of his people. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I can't wait, man. That's going to be so great. You, you sound so excited. You sound so excited. It's it's real to me, man. It's totally yeah. real. I mean, I know God is someday going to create that city and bring it down here just as real as this world we're living in. God made this world. He's going to make that one, too. All right. Listen, um, in, in looking at the history of the nation of Israel, um, I have seen that they have, you know, suffered a tremendous amount of uh, exploitation, slavery, been in exile in Babylon for about 70 years. In 350 BC, uh, the temple was destroyed by, uh, I think it was the Babylonians. And then yeah. in 70 AD, it was destroyed by the Romans. Yeah. But the question I'm looking at here is, how did, how did the nation of Israel become a nation again? And it's the years in 1948. How yeah. does that relate to the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy of the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel 37? What, what's the, the, the contrast between that and the reality of them becoming a nation again in, in 1948? Yeah, well, that, you know, Ezekiel prophesied that the nation of Israel would be destroyed. And uh, that that happened, like you said, in 70 AD. The Romans come in, they killed a half a million people in Jerusalem. They killed people all over the land. The people had to run for their lives, and they, they had to run into all the different parts of the world. And Ezekiel predicted that, that that, that was going to happen. But also, he, he also predicted that someday they would return. And, and God gave him that vision of a whole valley full of dry bones. There's just bones everywhere. And suddenly those bones started coming back together. So he joined, he joined with each other, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the ligaments and all that come and joined them together. And then skin came off flesh and all that. And it became like living, a living army. Yeah. And so that, and then God told him, 
told Ezekiel, this is the whole house of Israel. So he he, he gave this vision to him and, and told him that someday the nation of Israel would be restored, that their land would be restored, they would be restored as a nation. Well, that, you know, that happened, like you said, in 1948. It happened after the nation of Israel had been in exile for 1,878 years, almost 2,000 years, almost 1,900 years. It's it's the biggest, it's a, it's a gigantic miracle that God did uh, right here in the world. I mean, somehow the Holy Spirit spoke to all these uh, descendants of Abraham that were all in all these countries. He spoke to their hearts. He gave them the desires to move back to their homeland. And they just came by tens of thousands of people. They came at risking their life because yeah. all, the, all the nations around them, they wanted to obliterate them. So they, they came in facing great danger, but they came because the Almighty God led them to come. So the, the whole nation, it's the only nation that's ever like, uh, was existing, but then it was exiled and didn't exist for that long a period of time and then became a nation again. But that was the work of God. That was Almighty God bringing those people in there to fulfill this prophecy that he gave to Ezekiel. It's it's an amazing miracle. It's just like so, so big, we can't see it. Yeah, it's so big. It's, it's tremendously amazing. You know, the thing about it is that as we go forward, as we look at the reality of our lives existing, we realize that from time to time we would see Israel being involved in certain kind of conflicts. And there was one recently with the Palestinians, and there were actual rockets and mortars being fired, and so on. People got killed, buildings got damaged. Um, how does that fit in into the reality of uh, the promises for God's people, the nation of Israel in particular? <laughs> And what we see happening in the world today in terms of the territories that they are claiming, that, but they are still, you know, in, in, in a contrast, kind of war with in terms of the Palestinians and so on. What is the, the catalyst of the connection between God's people and the promises that he made and what is actually happening now with all the conflict taking place around Israel and Palestine? What, what's what's the, the connection there? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's just super exciting to see that God, excuse me, God is continuing on to fulfill his promise that he made to Abraham, that he would give this land to them as an everlasting possession, that God is continuing on. it. it's so exciting to see that he's doing that right now today, this very day. He, he's like he brought them in there. They became a nation again in 1948. So God has not forget, forgotten his promise to Abraham. He's continually uh, fulfilling, even today. And the exciting thing about that is we, we can know that because God has fulfilled everything that he's spoken to Abraham, even today, he's going to continue on fulfilling his promise to Abraham. And someday this land will be the, the, the possession of Abraham and his descendants throughout all eternity. So God's going to keep his plans. He, I mean, it's exciting to see that he already has and that he's continued to do so today. But uh, I think, you know, this time the nation of Israel is not going to be driven out of their land anymore. I think okay. God's going to stand up and fight for them, just like he did when they went in and took their promised land in the beginning. I mean, you know, uh, it's just 
nobody can fight against God. All the armies of the world cannot overpower God. And, and uh, yeah, I'm sure the Antichrist, when they have the War of Armageddon, by that time, who knows, the Antichrist might have, you know, computerized laser weapons. But the only problem is when the, when the you know, when he's decided he's going to take Jesus out, and when he reaches out, somebody reaches out to press the button yeah. uh, on that computer, suddenly the computer melts. And maybe his fingers and hands starts falling off. Wow. You, know, you just can't outdo God. God is like yeah. a thousand steps ahead of everybody. He knows your thoughts. He knows what's going to happen. He's in total and complete control. The mighty God that created this whole world and uh -huh. created life, he has everything completely in his control. Yep. I hear you, my friend. I have <laughs> one more question as we come to a close. And uh, the question is, you said that, you know, there may be some concerns that some of the stuff that uh, should be preserved, maybe for other reasons, that they're using for the tourists and for tourism attraction in Israel. But let's say you had an opportunity um, to, to speak to the nation of Israel based on your convictions and your beliefs. What would you say to them about those places? What would you, what would you tell them about those places? Well, don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not that upset that there, there's tourist I, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. I don't I'm think just not into tourist attractions. You know, I like the natural things like, you know, mounds and like the Sea of Galilee. I would rather go there. But uh, but I, I don't have a big problem with that. It's just like I just feel like I, I know that the nation of Israel is proof of God's reality. So I don't need to go there to, to get that proven to me anymore. Okay. I always know that. Okay. But uh you know, I, I I wouldn't condemn them that they're that they're you know making attractions. I mean, oh, no, no, no. people love to go there and see all these things. I mean, it's just it's just really sad that I think sometimes the the nation of Israel is you know they, God chose them to be His chosen people and for Him to be their God. God chose them to have a special relationship with God. And man, I mean. There's no other nation on the planet that's ever been experienced Almighty God's presence. When God led them out of Egypt, uh, you know, He instructed Moses to build this portable tabernacle, and the, the glory of God was over that tabernacle uh, at night. It was a great pillar of fire, and then during the day, it was a great pillar of cloud. I mean, that was the presence of Almighty God with these people. So right. that's not no other nation in existence has ever experienced God being with them in this way. I mean, God brought water out of a rock for them. Uh, he, he he brought he fed them with manna, special supernatural food every day for forty years. They had a special special relationship with God. But uh, when Jesus came along, they pretty much rejected him as being the Messiah, and that's probably why that the, their nation was terminated in seventy A.D. But Sometimes the people of Israel think that because God chose them originally, that that they're kind of His chosen people. They don't understand. No, you're you're not going to make it into heaven because God chose you. You have to accept Jesus as your Savior. You have to believe uh, yeah. Jesus is the Son of God. You have to turn and, and receive Him as your Savior. You can't get in just by thinking you're God's chosen people. You know. Great. Wonderful, Dave. Listen, it has been a tremendous pleasure having you, man. This has been an intriguing 45 minutes that we have spent together. And I really want to thank you, my friend, for coming by. We thank Dave for being with us uh, in the breakout room and giving his conviction 
deep, inspiring thoughts to, to motivate people to get to want to know better and more about the connection between God and the nation of Israel and the salvation that God has for all people, not just the nation of Israel, but for all people that were created on the earth today. So Dave, don't go. I'm going to put you out for a little bit and we're going to do a final ad of our next guest that is supposed to be on the breakout room and I'm going to come back to you in a little bit. So stand by Dave as we put this ad into motion. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, my friends, on Friday, on Friday, the 1st of October, the 1st of October, at 10 a.m., we're going to have Anthony Mururi. Anthony is a motivational speaker and a writer, and also someone who speaks and teaches and facilitates. And he's going to be with us on Friday, the 1st of October, at 10 a.m. Eastern. Reason for that is because even though he was born in Nairobi, in Kenya, what happens is that he now resides in Greece and the time is about seven hours difference so stay tuned for that look out for the information and join us again in the breakout room 1st October 10 a.m. with Anthony Muriel so Dave it's been a pleasure having you my friend hey thanks for having me on I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade being able to do this for anything in the world <laughs> so excited I'm glad to hear that so we're going to be in touch. And I say to you, Godspeed and God bless. All the best to you and your family and your friends. Yeah, and thank, you. thank you all for being with us as well. So, yeah. shalom. Yeah, you're doing a great work here, Andy. You keep it up. Thank you, my friend. Take care now. Until again. Bye.